0: In the name of the one who sees us so much better than we see ourselves, Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Amen. It is very good to see you all this morning. I am in Oklahoma City celebrating my 30th high school reunion. (laughs) Yeah, 30 years. and I was hoping to spend the Sunday of that weekend back here in a quiet reunion with my St. Paul's family and I, I emailed the dean to just let her know I'd be passing through and she invited me to preach. Katie, thank you so much. I'm honored to be in this pulpit and you are in very good hands with Dean Churchwell. I bring you greetings from all the backs in Chicago land. And let me give you some updates. I know you're going to want this. Everyone is well. Louisa is on a college tour trip with Meredith. The twins, Joshua and Simon, stayed home because they are the starting offensive linemen on the freshman football team. My sister Elizabeth, recently remarried, and has a very happy life in Minneapolis. My brother George is killing it in LA, as you might expect. My mother, Margaret, blooms where she is planted. I keep my dad, Dean, back very, very busy. He works for me now. And you will be glad to know he edits all my sermons, edits all my sermons. Memories of many good years in Oklahoma City have been stirring in me all week. And I'm so grateful, Uh, I realize how grateful I am to have grown up here, to have been formed by this community, especially this faith community. And I wanted to share one of those memories because I think it particularly connects to today's gospel. Years ago, the Titanic exhibit was in Oklahoma City. To give Meredith a break, I took Louisa, who was about five then, and the boys, who were about two, to the Kirkpatrick Center. As a father, this was my most ambitious excursion yet." Suddenly, someone was missing. I could not find Joshua. I could see Simon. I could see Simon. He was right next to his sister. But I couldn't find Joshua anywhere. And I kept saying to Louisa, Louisa, where is your brother? And she kept saying, Daddy, he's right here. He's right here. I searched frantically in the crowds. And after seemed like what took forever, I passed by a window, sort of like this plexiglass, and I saw Joshua. He was in the reflection. I was holding him the whole time. I was just, he was quietly sitting there, peaceful. Just like, that lamb in the window right behind me. As I think today about blind Bartimaeus in the gospel, I picture him sitting, seated in a crowd of people standing. Um, they are, he, he is hearing about this amazing miracle worker, Jesus, but he can't look for Jesus. So he calls out, he shouts anxiously out into the darkness of his blindness, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And this begins to annoy some of the people in the crowd. But Jesus hears it and responds. And Jesus says to him, what do you want me to do for you? That's kind of a strange question, isn't it? Why did Jesus bother to ask, what do you want me to do for you? What else would a blind man ask for than to receive his sight? But you have to understand that when Jesus traveled, he provided a kind of mobile guild of St. George, wherever he went. Funds were gathered in and then distributed to the poor and the hungry along the way, and Judas, was the keeper of the money bags. Most blind beggars asked Jesus for bread or for money or for something to just help them get by as they were. Jesus was prepared to respond to them at that level. Many of us pray frequently just to survive the way we live now. And like Jesus, God hears our request, God listens, even when our habits and what we are doing are a constant distress and a heartache to ourselves and those around us. The truth is very few of us actually ask God to change us. If I am changed and my eyes are opened, the first thing I might see is just how blind I have been. One of the key learnings that I learned right here was this. What's this? That the healed alcoholic sees that he or she is an alcoholic. That's how they know they're healed. Spiritual healing may present a discomforting paradox. Imagine paying for a sightseeing tour and finding the first sight you see is your own frail reality. The culture wars that we face as a people today are driven mostly by people trying to strengthen their own viewpoint rather than seeking a shared reality in a unity of heart with God and with one another. Bartimaeus asks, Master, let me receive my sight. Most of the world religions speak about blindness as our common human condition. We all struggle with blindness. Humanity is in desperate need of something called illumination. We see this view everywhere in Holy Scripture as ancient teachers shine light into human darkness. As the prophet Isaiah described it, we grope for the wall like the blind, we grope like those who have no eyes, we stumble at noon as in the twilight among those in full vigor. We are like dead people, we're like dead people. Halloween's right around the corner and many yards are decorated with dead people. Many blind zombies groping through the dark are mocking us, dramatizing Isaiah's words before our faces. Biblical blindness is related to a general spiritual deadness, an unawareness of God, an unconsciousness of soul, an insensitivity to spiritual vitality. From our zombie-like deadly sleep Healing is awaking. That's what healing is. So the psalmist sings, Look upon me and answer me, O Lord my God, give light to my eyes, lest I sleep in death. The Gospels are filled with conflicts between the illuminations of Jesus and the blindness of those who think they see. The truth of the obvious constantly threatens the person that already knows it all. Now, it's obvious that had I listened to Louisa, I would have figured out where Joshua was. It was just right here. As a child of this parish, of this cathedral parish, I should even now, and you should even now, Picture yourself balanced carefully on the hip of your savior, the good shepherd, for that is where you are always at all times. Such clarity of seeing and sight sometimes comes at like 4 a.m. in the morning when your eyes are closed and it's a dark night and you have some fleeting vision that startles your mind. We see some sobering truth. Like Don Quixote, looking into the mirrors, we may see ourselves as others see us. We We cannot bear the deepest truth within us without a lot of help from God. We need a lot of divine assistance to see what is so deep inside of us. It was very hard to leave St. Paul's. It was hard, and I think about it often, all the time. A big part of me would have been glad to have held on to everything and everyone here. Leaving, I wondered, would I ever find the love and the strength I found here? When I hear about Bartimaeus throwing off his cloak, springing up, and coming to Jesus, I think about my own children. My twin little toddlers, who many of you will remember, have joined the high school diving team. They have started jumping off a 10-meter platform. 10 meters. And every time they do it, it makes my heart leap with fear. And yet, that splash, there's this baptismal faith that comes through that splash every time. It is God who moves the heart from fear to faith. Such faith cannot be merely thought up in the head. It's got to be practiced. It's got to be put into action to be both real and trusted. Blind Bartimaeus, throwing off his cloak, becomes a dramatic superhero of faith. He lets go of his security, his beggar's shelter. Back home in Lake Forest, it's stewardship time. It may be stewardship time here, maybe. And our theme this year is courageous Connections. What do we hold on to? What do we let go of? Courage and generosity are two sides of one coin of faith. A form of Bartimaeus' words has been handed down to us and frequently practiced as a Christian mantra for centuries. Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. My father taught me that prayer when I was a little boy and scared. He said, just say that prayer over and over. And I have used it to face down many fears. It has been called by many, by many names, such as the Gospel Prayer, the Prayer of Jesus, the Pilgrim's Prayer, And the story of the Pilgrim's Way recommends praying it 10,000 times a day. Pray it until your heart beats it, until your body breathes it, until your soul reflects and carries it, realizing, seeing that heaven is near and heaven is here now. Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on us, all of us this morning, and guide our hearts to faithful love, always. Amen.